Welcome to Snap, Crackle and Cheap Pops, the Pro Wrestling For You podcast. Here's your hosts, Daniel Terry, Chrissy Steele and Phil Woodvine. Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast season is scheduled for one or two episodes. Some, I don't know. I've managed to rain it off of uh, Filthy. It is your voice of Pro Wrestling For You, Daniel Terry. Uh, here with Snap, Crackle and Cheap Pops. Uh, we, of course, uh, I've got Mr. Filthy Woodvine, owner of Pro Wrestling For You. Yeah, Hello, too Tom. kind, sir. Too kind. Uh, and we have uh, the man of many names, Chrissy Steele, Money Penny. It's, of course, Chris Strawn. It's our wonderful, wonderful DJ, sound technician, techie on the day, roadie, puts everything together, makes everything run. How are we doing, Chris? All right, mate. Uh, yeah, just general dog's body in terms of uh, what I do. But yeah, General Money Penny Dog's Body. Um, I've, I've got to ask. So, like, you know, where did the Money Penny nickname come from? From your point of view, <laughs> I want your take on this. Oh, I want God. to start this season off with a revelation. <laughs> I, want, I want to get deep inside. Oh God! Let me rephrase yeah. that. I want to. They're, I want they're to, never saying those words to us ever again. <laughs> I want to. I want. I want to go. I want to go caving into this kind of like this pro wrestling for you no no this isn't working <laughs> you, you, T- you, tell me Chris, you, tell me digging a deeper hole here Dan. uh Always. basically we had a meeting at happy ninja media which is the jesse divide studio space um yeah. this is what three four years ago um and i was basically taking minutes for the meeting that happened and phil and leanne without missing a beat went oh look it's like we've got our own little money penny there we go. Well, and it's stuck yeah. ever frigging since. <laughs> Leanne's a massive James Bond fan, and I'm quite a big James Bond fan as well. So we were walking into the into the sort of um, admin room of Happy Ninja Media, and Chris is sat behind his desk, and he's just sat there like Money Penny from James Bond. He, he he's quite feminine, looking at the best of times. He just had his little desk all nice and prim and proper and tidy. I'm like, oh, it's a proper little Miss Money Penny, and you know when you kind of hit on on something, you go, there it is, Miss Money, yeah. Miss Money Penny, and it just does. One of one of your many many nicknames, uh, of course. Um, I, I'm, yeah, I'm sure I'd rather not say that one. Yeah, there's one that Sai from Jesse Divide gave me, and if I gave you the full name, you'd ask more questions, and we'd have time for the podcast. So I'll leave it there. That sounds like another episode, and we'll get back to that later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> indeed, but of course, we are here to talk about pro wrestling for you. And I thought, you know, we, we, we've we talked a lot about, you know, the modern day of wrestling, sort of like, you know, Brit Rest, where it is, where pro wrestling for you is, like sort of like the the major kind of like milestones that we've hit. So it all has a beginning. So in the words of uh, of a very famous musical, let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. Um, back in 2011, what was going through your head when you decided to put together a pro wrestling <laughs> What were you doing? Uh, oh, bloody hell. No, I have no idea because, like, this is bear in mind, this is 10 years ago, and we've done a lot of shows since then. It's coming up on the about 45, 50 shows, which to some promotions is a lot, some promotions it's not all that much. But for us, for everything that we've been through, it's, it's a lot of shows, and especially over a decade. Now, 10 years ago, the British wrestling scene was very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, taking the um, 
speaking out stuff out of the equation. We kind of need to get, you know, say that right from the get-go because I know some schools yeah. are closed down, some promotions are closed down, blah, blah, blah. But, say, last year, there was numerous, numerous promotions up and down the country that were doing really good things. You could go to, like, any major city and find a pretty decent promotion. So yeah. 10 years ago, 2010, 2011, there wasn't all that many. There was a lot of um, the sort of bigger ones, but there's also a lot of piss pots as well. No one was really stepping up their game in terms of production, in terms of sound. They were just putting on a bog-standard wrestling kind of show. Yeah, awesome. in a working men's club with a black curtain, and that's kind of it. You know, some of them didn't even have uh, microphones for the announcers. And honestly, I have seen and heard some absolute shit. Like, bear in mind, I, I was never meant to be a promoter. This was never the case at all. Um, I'd met Kim, then Kim Ryder, because she's only recently been Kim Rocks. I mean, when I met her, she was um, Kim Ryder. That was her ring name at that point. Um, we'd okay. met at, oh, yeah. Um, she'd gone along to a TNA show 2008 in Coventry. Now, I just so happened to be at this TNA show being part of the ring crew. Well, when you're the ring crew, you're working 14, 16 hours with very, very little break in between. Um, you're the security for the wrestlers. You're the ring crew. You put leaflets on, on 4,000 chairs in the Coventry Skydome. You show people, you have 4,000 people to their seats. Your security looking at the audience during the show so that no one's filming it. You know I mean? All this sort of stuff. Now, Kim and her mum had gone along to this TNA show in Coventry. And they did the meet and greet. And I was with Robert Roode or Bobby Roode, whatever he would have been at that point. And they just took a sneaky picture from far away rather than waiting in his line of Bobby Roode. And there was this skinny, pale, strange-looking thing to the side of him, all of nine stone being his security. So they obviously didn't know me or who I was or anything. So they were just taking a picture of Robert Roode, kind of about their business. Now, a few weeks or whatever later, they up, Kim or her mom uploads the pictures online, and one of my friends, kind of like a mutual friend of, uh, of ours, spots me in that picture and says, oh, that's that guy, Phil. He, he wrestles uh, locally in Stoke, BWA. Um, just so happens, obviously, Kim has now moved to Stoke at this point. It's like, oh, bloody hell. So she, Kim finds me online, uh, finds I'm running shows with BWA. I, I'm just a manager on that show. I'm not running it. I'm not doing anything that I'm doing now. I was just a, a bog standard, not getting paid for it, manager for BWA. What uh, What was what was your ring name at that time? Oh, bloody hell. I tr it, right, it tried to be, because I was probably still in barber college at this point. Um, I started like black hair and like a white streak through it, kind of like how Alex Shelley used to have it. So I wanted, and people kept calling me Cruella DeVille. So I was like, well, I need something to go with DeVille because DeVille's quite cool. Um, and obviously, if you ever watched the Rugrats, Phil DeVille from that, I'm Phil. So kind of made sense. You missed the trick there, mate. You could have been Cruella DeVille. <laughs> Dan, don't laugh at him. It uh, only encourages him. Yeah, uh, I'm okay with encouragement. I'm down with this. <laughs> I mean, like, I was trying to think of, I was like, trying to think of a name. Now, everyone's first names in wrestling tend to be alliteration. It's D D M M C C T T whatever. Like, more often than not, that's the way they go down. Like, Dave Derecki, Mark Morgan, Val Vendetta. Like, everyone seems to do it. So, I was trying to think of a name. And my dad had told me one time that either me or my brother, um, he wanted to name one of us. I don't remember which one. Dagon, D-A-Y-G-O-N. 
but my mum kind of got her own way and we were Phil and Marth, respectively. And I thought Dagan DeVille kind of rolls off the tongue quite nicely. I like that. Now, with my voice, especially with a bit of a speech impediment that I've got, Dagan DeVille kind of, kind of rolls out quite well. And I'm sure if you could announce it, Danny, it would sound quite well. It's almost a bit Marvel-esque. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's got, um, good, it's got a good number of syllables in it. Yeah. Now, when we say it, it's fine. The announcer we had at BWA is a guy called Steve... He was the most like a penguin man you all have ever, ever met. He spoke out the side of his mouth and he kind of walked like a penguin, dressed like a penguin. And he was just a really strange guy. So when he tried to announce my name, he couldn't do it. Because I, I say he literally spoke from the side of his mouth. So he'd be trying to announce this name. Escorted to the ring by his manager. Digging, digging. Oh, for God's sake. He sounds like he's starting up a crappy old moped. So, <laughs> yeah, I, and just, I'm just there at ringside trying to be all heelish while he's like, dun, dun, dun. oh, for God's sake. <laughs> so we, we, we can't, I probably would have been Dagan DeVille at that point, or but then tra- transitioning into Phil T. Smith for some reason. Someone suggested Smith. I was like, okay. Phil T. Smith, whatever. And then for some reason, someone who I was dating at the time said, um, you're a bit like Rick Mail, which for me is a massive compliment. You're very animated face and stupid and all this sort of stuff. And he was doing the um, the New Statesman um, TV show where he's Alan Bastard, I think. Is that right? Yes. And, and the girl I was, getting, I was kind of like seeing at the time was like, oh, I should be like filthy, like Phil T-H-Y, Bastard. Yeah, there it is. That'll do. And then that's just how filthy kind of stuck, you know. Yeah. Um, is is so, it yeah. fair to say that since you've dropped the bastard bit and you've just pretty much just been filthy? So I, I you know, so yeah, like whenever but... I've kind of like seen you sort of like you know sort of like talking about things, it's it's you know it's always just just filthy. Sort of like the bastard is almost kind of like it's 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 yeah, canon, it... but it's not spoken about. If that makes sense. Yeah, it, it was um, necessary to kind of like drop it for doing like um, family shows. Yeah, didn't like I didn't want to say bastard on family shows and get myself sacked and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it just became filthy. And just yeah, managers typically kind of had um, one word when I was growing up. You know, like slick. You know, guys like that. It was always managers with one word, and I thought I like it. That sounds cool. Just filthy, not big long with your name. Just filthy kind of works. Yeah, that's just kind of like how it came about. So that would have been 2008. So obviously well, there was a good few years in the meantime at this point up to being the very first show. Now, it was Kim that kind of talked us into it. We were sat around, and I'm going to hate to say this place because I know Chris hates it, and we didn't know that this guy that owns this chain of pubs was a reptilian overlord at this point, but we were sat around in Weatherspoons. Sorry, Chris. He's just he's just shaking his micro pub brewery brain at me. I don't like it. <laughs> we were just sat around in spoons drinking you know, cheap ass ciders, and we thought oh, we should we should run a show. We should run a show. Now Kim actually ran her own show in two thousand and it's December two thousand and nine. It was a charity okay. show called Extreme Wrestling for You because it was backed by Phones for You, which is where Kim worked at that point, and it was uh, Rider Promotions Extreme Wrestling for You. And is it Jumping Jack's uh, nightclub in Hanley, which is ironic because obviously we went, we went there for the second show. Indeed. But Kim ran that show and that was hers. 
I got to kind of like work alongside Kim. I was like, fucking hell. So this is what being a promoter is. Because the one at BWA didn't want me to do it. He just wanted me to come in, manage and fuck off, basically. So Kim ran her own show and it was okay. It was maybe probably 40, 50 people. Obviously still not great, but 40, 50 people, whatever. So I'm still BWA to the middle of 2010. I had a big falling out with the promoter. Um, creative differences. I'm a control freak. I'm sure both of you two know. And I know it's not exactly news. I, is I've it? never so, so like I so I had to leave. You know, it was a case of I wasn't wasn't feeling welcome, so I kind of left. So me and Kim were sat around and wearing spoons. And I'd been at my new job at this point since 2008. So I was earning decent money at that point. I was, earning, I was taking home about 25 grand a year. So I had a lot of money. So going from, from no job to 25 grand a year, you learn to save a lot, especially early doors. Once you yeah. there for a while, you don't save as much, but early doors. So I sat around with Kim and I'm like, look, I've got all this money. What if we did our own show? And... From literally just a drunken conversation in Weatherspoon to all places, we said, okay, well, what, what could we do? And Kim was kind of like affiliated with ICW up north. She, had, you know, she kind of cut her teeth uh, wrestling with a lot of the on the Scottish wrestling camps. Mm. So she said, well, let's do an over-18 show. There's nothing like that in this area. So I thought, yeah, cool. I mean, I, I didn't know what we were doing. I was just kind of the money man, so... Me and Kim kind of put our head together and said, well, where, where could we host a big show that would get a big crowd? We're talking a drunk crowd, nice and interactive, lots and lots of people. And we found our way to the Keel Students Union. We just wandered in one day, thought we'd have a few drinks and whatever. And we found out they had S Club free the week before at, Steel, at oh Keel Students Union. Oh, yes. And they drew 1,800 people to S Club sodding free. I don't even know which free it was. Um, if, if it was Hannah or Rachel, I'd uh, I'd have gone, you know, I'd have gone yeah, along. Yeah. Or Tina, or, or Tina, that's fine. Either the three, it's fine. Not picky. Um, yeah, no, uh, yeah, can't afford to be picky with with a face like mine. You know? <laughs> Definitely can't afford to be picky with a personality like mine. I tell you. So before eighteen hundred people for for S Club sodding free, let's get a show in here. If we drew that amount to eighteen hundred times by you know six quid a ticket. That's pretty decent money in our pockets. Now, this would have been the first show I w- would have ever ran. This would have been the first show that Kim would have properly ran because running a charity show isn't really a show because yeah. you're just doing it. You know what I mean? It, it's different. There's different rules. It is, but yeah. it isn't. It's always, so, it's always more relaxed. Yeah. So we had no idea what we were going into. I mean, the the, the pitfalls and just how much money it was going to cost to put on a show at that ridiculously big, expensive, stupid venue. I mean, had we gone to a working men's club and started from the bottom and worked our way up, would have been fine, but we were stupid. More importantly, I was stupid, and the person with the money that's stupid needs a fucking bullet every now and again. So, yeah. It needs the occasional click around here. Yeah, I need to pull it in a little bit. So I, but I just said to Kim, whatever we want to spend... I don't care because in my head there was no way we weren't going to yeah, outdraw S Club sodding free. Yeah. Maybe a bit less because we, we had to put a ring in the venue, so it takes up a certain amount of floor space. But we were like, oh yeah, we will we'll get a thousand. Shouldn't be an issue. There was no not like a doubt in our mind that we weren't going to get a thousand people to a wrestling show. 
it's it's stupid. It, yeah, it's the the luck of fools. You know what I mean? That's kind of how it is. We were so stupid. We didn't think that we wouldn't get that. So we we're like, yeah, why not spend it's seven hundred. I, mean, I feel yeah, st- I feel stupid is possibly a little bit harsh on yourselves. Maybe naive. Naive, definitely. Yeah, sort of like, yeah. It's, it's yeah. There's nothing wrong with having a confidence, and and you know, you look at sort of like you know, the legacy of Prosman for you. Sort of like you know, this is where it started, and ten years later, you know, granted, COVID sort of like you know, aside, still going. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's we've got some good staying power. I mean, yeah. If you can le- if you can learn to fuck up early doors, but then rectify it as you go along, I think it makes you stronger from the get go. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that there's some method to that madness in there. I mean, we probably would still be going if we hadn't fucked up from the start, but we didn't care. We were like 700 quid for the venue, done. 150 quid for for leaflets, mainly because the uh, the guy that was running the the venue is a major douchebag and tricked us into it. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I am throwing everyone under the bus today. I've got fair. Some stuff that's to- fair. Um, See, I rest like, control of the podcast and, and, and Filthy goes wild. I love it. As soon as the emphasis is on you, you're leading it. And I was like, fine, well, you should know better rather than get a guest on like me. God help me. <laughs> so we spent like a, a grand just on the sort of ancil- the ancillary stuff of the you know, of just booking the venue in the leaflets, you know. Um, but I kind of think we we got a we got our claws in with two major people at the Keel Student Union, a guy named Dave Malville that kind of run the Student Union. Now, I don't know if he's still there. I have no idea. I hope he isn't, but he is probably one of the world's biggest perverts. Just a major douchebag and okay. pervert. But Kim knows how to work with douchebag perverts. Like <laughs> Kim, if you listen to this, I love you for this. I never asked you to to do you know, whatever. This, this sounds bad, I need to clear this up. But he'd, like, he'd show us around the venue, and it's a very nice venue, and he'd, he'd say tra to us and whatever. Then he'd be texting Kim from his office saying, leave Phil downstairs to have a pint. If you want to go to my office, there's a lock on the door. Like, that's pretty douchebaggery, is it not? It's, um... I think predatory is possibly the right word there. Uh, oh, yeah, I mean... Like yeah. we we know yeah we we know that he charged other people and other bands and other gigs or whatever two grand to rent the venue, so the fact he charged us just shy of seven hundred, like it was a major 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 sort of. Kim was as Kim was okay with it. If she wasn't comfortable with it. You know, no one's going to make Kim do anything she, she doesn't want to do. Like no. she she would, no. she would kick him in the dick if if she won't really, betide anyone who tries. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, hats off to Kim. So we had, we had to deal with this douchebag that runs the place. Now, we dealt with their entertainment manager, a guy named Vinesh, one of the nicest guys in the world, just really bloody lovely guy that books all the acts. He kind of runs the green room for them, does all that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? Kind of like looks yeah. after the acts and all that sort of stuff. Now, he got us onto Keel Radio, where we sang Len, Steal My Sunshine. This is not a singing voice. I hate my voice. It's the most monotonal, sounds like you've left a Hoover on next door kind of stoky nonsense voice ever. I can confirm that. Yep. Um, like, but he made us sing Len, Steal My Sunshine on the Keel Radio. So, Vinesh, thanks for that. Um, now, f- funny little story for us. So, we, uh, we send a message to Vinesh. We say... 
mate, do you want to come for brunch? We'll go to the Cherry Tree, which is you know, obviously Newcastle under Lyme. Um, we'll get you brunch, we'll buy you lunch kind of thing. And so, yep, yeah, no problem, cool. We're going to talk through some ideas. And he was really supportive, honestly, brilliant, brilliant guy. So I was a bit ill at this point. I was, I've always had really bad earache in one of my ears since I was a kid, since I was a baby. All I always have bad earache. When I get earache, I can't hear out of one of my ears. I go a bit, bit mutton. So it's 11 a.m. Vanessa shows up at the, the cherry tree and I'm at the bar. Um, Kim sat down. And um, we can like stand up when he, when he walks in. I'm like, oh, wait up, mate, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Can, can we get you a drink? And bear in mind, this is about 11 a.m. And he, and he works for the students' unions. So we'd made an assumption there. So we're at, we're at the side of the bar. Vinesh, can, can we get you a drink? Do you want a pint of this? Do you want a pint of that? He's like, a pint at 11 a.m.? No, I've, I've not got them kind of problems. <laughs> our faces dropped because when we led him over to our table, me and Kim have been drinking since like 10 a.m. Like, oh, this looks bad. We've got like a few shot glasses on the table. We've got like a few beer bottles and stuff like uh We've not got issues either. Someone else must have left these there. <laughs> these are definitely not ours. They just haven't cleaned the table, honest. Yeah. So, so like, he kind of like laughed it off. But we're nervous. Like, I'm very nervous. Like, I get nervous energy anyway. So when I'm nervous and say even stupider things, so we go into the dining room, we, we order some food. While we're waiting for the food, he's telling us about all the acts that he's dealt with. He's, t- he's dealt with, you know, like Escort Free, he's dealt with all these bands, all these comedians, all these people from theatre. Like he's, he's dealt with a lot of stars. Mm. Now, he said the name Greg Davis. Now, I know who Greg Davis is, but yep. I, I, I heard Craig David. So I did the boast. I did the Bo selector impression of Craig David, and he just like from nowhere, he's looking at me. Kim's looking at me. He's have to go. Why have you just done that out of nowhere? And I'm like, oh, did he not? Did he not? Oh, he didn't. He didn't, he didn't say Craig David, did he? He said, no, no, Greg Davis, the guy, you know, the tall guy, and all. Uh, oh, oh. Um, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that, Vanessa. My bad. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, oh, dear me. Um, so, yeah. So, Keel Student Union. Um, obviously, sort of like, you know, you mentioned that uh, Kim had sort of like you know, re- uh, run a show at Jumping Jacks, which you went for for the second one. Um, was it literally just the appeal of getting so many people in into like this space that led you to Keel Student Union or? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, honestly, we just we we had no notion that we weren't going to get less than a thousand people into the venue. It didn't okay. enter into our heads at all. We just thought, well, if S Club Pre can do it, you know, why can't we? Which That's is fair. That's also fair. stupidity all in one. But you know, it, it was it was yeah, it was one of them things. We just thought, yeah, it's, it's easily enough. We we, we worked out the money. Yeah, you're spending a grand on venue and leaflets. That's fine. We're making like four or five grand, whatever, back. So, why why wouldn't we spend that? Because if we can make a couple of grand on top, we've got a full venue, a big a kick-ass show, and we've got to put some money in our pockets. You know, go big or go home. So, uh, indeed, and you did go big with an eight-match card. I mean, yeah, of of recent. Uh, the match cards are what five, six at the most normally. 
Yeah, um, March this year we did a seven. Yeah, if you, that's if you take into consideration Perfect Paul James's two stints of about two minutes apiece. Yes. If you count them, seg- the more segments the matches on, let's call it yeah, what it is. Yeah. Well, yeah, this this was seven and no, sorry, this was eight full matches. There was eight no full matches. There was no squash. There was no little comedy segments. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So uh, yeah, we kind of went balls to the walks. I said this was Kim's show. I was just like, yeah, book whoever you want. Bring two full cars down from Scotland. Why not? Yeah, you know, I mean, well, we had five singles matches, a tag team, a five-way, and a last man standing. Yeah. I mean, so now, that's not that's by no means a short show. Well, like, so, like, I had the money, Kim held the purse strings, whatever she wanted to spend, I was fine with spending, because they say, we we thought we're going to bring, bring in five yeah. grand, so we did not care less. Now, I've been spending a lot of time up in Doncaster at a company called 1PW that was run by Stephen Gauntley, and then it was put into a group that owned it. And then it was a guy called Danny Rudd that owned it. And they go balls to the wall up there. They had like 12 match cards, 14 match cards. Bring, they bring in Ulf Herman, Abyss, AJ Styles, all these names over from all these different companies. And we wanted to kind of follow in their footsteps. We wanted to kind of slipstream 1PW a little bit. So the idea of us not spending and not going big didn't seem possible because... We kind of got 1PW's back in. We um, got in contact with Danny Rod. We said, look, we're going to have your tag champions, Fire Club, uh, on our show. Um, they're going over, so whoever we put them against, yeah, you haven't got to worry about belts changing hands or whatever. Um, do you want to do a bit of sharing? And then at this kind of point, Danny Rod was being disrespected left, right, and center and being treated like a dick. I mean, 1PW was on its way out. It was a sinking ship, yeah. unfortunately. And so we just kind of took an opportunity to kind of borrow his uh, mailing list and he kind of sent out a big email shot to all the 1PW fans, which 1PW in the Doncaster Dome was drawing 1,800 people. So it kind of made sense for us to kind of like slipstream 1PW and kind of make yeah, a friend just, at Danny Rod. And yeah. Yeah, so there's definitely, definitely nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but yeah, so on the 5th of March 2011, in Kill Student Union, pro wrestling for you, extreme mashup. <laughs> Opening with a five-way match. Yeah. I mean, that's ballsy. Uh, yeah, it is ballsy. I mean, before we get into, like, uh, before we talk about the first match, I've got to say, like, you've seen the poster for this show, and obviously you just revealed the name for the show. Indeed. Um, obviously, Kim held the purse strings, but I can't help but meddle. You've both worked with me for a very long time. You know what I'm like. I have to have my fingers... In the creative pie, I can't yeah. not do it. So I was working on all the posters and the names of the show and all that sort of stuff. And we didn't think that wrestling was going to draw and kill. We kind of thought we needed a party with the wrestling bolted on. That's why on the poster it says, "After was it like uh, after show party with some DJ or whatever it was." Um. And we that's kind of how we did it, because we just thought if students aren't fussed with wrestling, we at least want to draw them in for a party and then softly introduce them to the wrestling. Yeah. So we specifically, the poster for Extreme Mashup, and obviously the name Extreme Mashup, I just took that right from Clubland and NRG and Darren Styles and, and Euphoria and Ministry of Sounds and all this sort of stuff. 
because that's the music that I listen to at that point. Um, so the poster's very neon, bright purple, you know, black purples and all this sort of stuff. And I think that this, there was this CD called like Extreme NRG. It's like Extreme, it's wrestling, it's a party, it's a mashup. Extreme mashup, EMU, kind of makes sense. EMU, the KLU, whatever the fuck it's called. So that's kind of where we went with that. Um, but yeah, so getting back to the card, we opened with a five-way. Now, I don't remember booking this as a five-way. I, I'm trying to work out who of the four wasn't booked but came down with the Scottish car. <laughs> just, um, just jumped in. Yeah, because I mean, so we had like two full Scottish cars coming down, which is like a hundred yeah. quid, hundred quid in petrol before you even paid a wage, which is you know it's hundred quid each for each car as well. So two hundred quid for Scottish petrol. Fucking idiots, aren't we? Fucking idiots. Indeed. So obviously, two full cars full of Scottish talent: who Fight Club, uh, Red Lightning, Lion Arts, R.I.P. Of course, uh, Carmel, Kelly Ritley, Ray, B.T. Gun, Jack Jester. Um, I think Stevie Xavier was going out with Kaylee Ray at this point. I could be wrong, but I think that's okay. right. He, he jumped in as well. So I'm pretty certain it was booked as a four-way. He was just there on the day and said, can I jump in? And we're like, fuck yeah, whatever. We don't care. Yeah. So we kind of turned it into a, Yeah, so it just turned it into a five-way. So it's Scorpion that went on to be Dave Dalvecchio when he had a big uh, makeover. Yeah. Um, Squirt, which is a guy neither of you two probably would have saw. He kind of wrestled at BWA and United Wrestling when I was I, there. Yeah, I don't believe I've uh, come across him. Uh, I will say, we'll jump in. Sorry, like, we are, we are going to obviously talk through, um, like, sort of like, you know, some of the matches, like, we're going to talk through the cards. Um, with regards to uh, sort of like, you know, some of the names that we are going to talk about, we are aware that some people have been outed, rightly so, by the speaking out movement, and we're very glad they have. Um, I will be saying on behalf of Pro for you, any anyone who sort of like you know has, has been has been shown to be lower than scum will not be setting foot in a pro wrestling few ring as long as we're in charge. Simple exactly. as that. Yeah, sort of like you know we're, 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 their names might get mentioned now, but believe me, we're not giving them any more air other than the fact that they existed in pro wrestling few history. That's it. Pro wrestling few future does not involve anyone who has been involved has been sort of outed rightly so by speaking out. And we yeah. fully support that movement. Yeah, I think mean, so we said before, obviously, the podcast that kicked in, we have to talk about some of these names. Obviously, some of these names are not looked at favorably. A couple of them, like one or two, or at least two of these people, are no longer around anymore as well. It's like Lion Art yeah. has, has passed on. And on the second show, we'll talk about Chris Travis. Chris Travis has passed on. Yeah. So it's going to be a bit, a bit of a tough talk, but we can't deny our past. These people did no. perform on these shows. So. Um, it is out there you know there are there are websites that sort of like you know do lists sort of like you know the cards as they were and and in some cases who went over against who and sort of like you know it it exists it happened but we are moving forward and on with it but yeah just just sorry to jump in with that note just to just to get that on paper you know we we don't endorse them but yeah they did exist within our past definitely so uh, we'll we'll run through the card and we'll give some little bits and pieces then i've got some little caveats that people don't necessarily know about these um because if you weren't there like you won't know this stuff went on and it's the stuff that peppers a wrestling show that fans might not know but uh yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get on to that bit like uh, a little bit later on so indeed fun, if, if you're yeah. ever a fan at our wrestling shows and you see phil running around like a headless chicken it's because something like this has gone on and he's <laughs> now trying to sort something out and it's gen you know it's it's genuinely hilarious to see 
from my point of view because I know he will sort it. And you know, and I'm sure sort of like you know, Chris Chris will back me up on this. Yeah, you know, we know we'll sort it. We know that between us we'll come to a solution. But watching him running around like a crazy fool is generally one of the sadistic joys I get whenever I'm at a pro wrestling for you show, and it's beautiful. Well it's a great little thing. I, I just want to know, Phil, were you as stressed back then as you were now? Because no, Jesus I... Christ, if you if you were either more stressed then, thank God I didn't know you then. And if you were less stressed, <laughs> What the fuck has happened to you? <laughs> Again, you've got to like bear in mind, there was not even a single notion that this show wasn't going to draw a thousand people. So we had no, no like reason to be nervous. We, was, we had our heads so far up our bums that we thought, well, if you we draw a thousand people, that kind of nullifies every issue that could possibly come up. You know? Yeah. So, um, so for this show... Very chill, just very excited because I was performing on it anyway. So that was kind of my own. Um, that's where my mind was at. You know, Kim could kind of run the show pretty much single handedly anyway, and I was just doing little bits. But no, there was, there was no nerves, there was no stress. It was apart from trying to keep in the, the dirty pervert of uh, Dave Malville, the Kill Uni runner out of uh, Kim's underpants, you know, that was, that was the only stress we had. That's but, fair. So, yeah, indeed. Bear in mind, though, right? So, I don't think I've been as stressed this year. For the, for the two shows we did this year, I think I've mallowed relatively well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I will, I will say, sort of like, you know, um, the, the first show back was, you know, there was, there was a relief we'd got it out of the way after the previous ending of the, the, ending of the previous year. Um, you know, but it, it got out of the way, sort of like, you know, out of the way seems wrong. It went without any incidents. Well, yeah, and also bear in mind that like the very first show this year, the the small woman we did at the Holy Trinity, uh, mm. person few on the rocks, like the main event of that match, uh, of, of that show, we changed what it was like an hour before the show, 45 minutes to an hour before yeah. let in. Yeah, because yeah. we we're meant to have a disciple, um, come down, and this is. Not me chucking anyone under the bus or anything. Like we were meant to have disciple, and he had to pull out at the last minute due to um, sort of, sort of like some personal issues. And again, that's not yeah. a, a slight against disciple. He's, he's a no, not of us blamed. None of us blamed. Um, but we literally just had to rewrite the show on the fly, and I wasn't stressed or anything. So yeah, so we had an additional person there. It was relatively easy to 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 juggle around at any other point in time. That would have been major uh, cause for concern, but no, it's fine. It's fine, fine. Yeah. Got to say, it was a very weird show for me as well because I wasn't announcing because obviously uh, Kim was back. I was backstage the entire time, which was very interesting and very fun. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we will, we'll, we'll get to yeah. the rest of you on the box. We digress. Yeah, no, we digress. So, five, five way opener. It was Scorpion, now Dave Direcchio, Squirt, uh, Stevie Xavier, Chris Rampage, and Davy Blaze. Now, I'm pretty certain Scorpion, Dave Direcchio, went over on this one. Squirt was definitely the favourite. The crowd loved. He, he, Squirt can pull out 450s galore. He's a he's a very he's a very small uh, performer. He's about five four, perhaps. As the name implies. Very yeah, very very springy. Um, and the, the crowd had never seen anyone do a four fifty. So he was very much a favourite. But Scorpion Dave Dorecchio would later to be he can he went over in that one. Yeah. Which, the crowd still liked because he was still one of the the, the favourites. But you know, well, lo, lo, you know, local lad. Local like going over, kind of like yeah, makes makes sense. 
Um, following that, you had Bully Boy Briggs and Johnny Starr in a singles match. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've got to like um, chuck this one out there. I didn't really know either guy. This is one of those Kim bookings. Um, right. Now, Bully Boy Briggs is the guy we got the ring from for this show. Now, the ring was a piece of shit. Absolutely shit. Like, the ropes are slack as anything. If you see any footage from this show, um, like, the ropes were terrible, really terrible. I, I don't know. I didn't know who the guy was. Obviously, I didn't have my network of contacts 10 years ago. I didn't have three, four, five other names. I can go, okay, forget that ring. We've got another ring here. You know, it was just one of those things of, okay, this is the ring we've got. We have to make, make the best. Didn't know either guy. Both of them were you know, really nice and respectful, but I couldn't really tell you all that much about either of them too. Mm. That's fair. I mean, sort of, you know, um, obviously very different nowadays that, you know, sort of like you have, you know, essentially sort of like, you know, full, more or less full creative control, um, which I'm, I'm sure you, I mean, would you ever go back to sort of like having someone else uh, offering like booking pairs on your shows or would you very much be kind of like, even though you know that promoter, you know that person, unless you've seen it and you agree to it, you wouldn't do it. Where would you stand on that nowadays? No, not, not really. I think like I've got such a good network of um, of like sort of people that, that I know I can call on. I don't think anybody can do anything creatively that I can't. And I know that sounds big Eddie, and I hate the fact that I said that. But that's my biggest skill. It's also my worst sort of attributes because you know my brain doesn't turn off but i don't think anyone could could match me in terms of being able to come up with creativity and all this sort of stuff so i think if other people try to book for my shows they won't necessarily see, sense the sort of tenor of the audience and all that sort of stuff so having someone kind of run the business side of things to do taxes and insurance and all that sort of stuff that's fine because you know, leanne kind of manages all yeah. that sort of stuff and I can just do the fun stuff. I can just create characters, scenarios, storylines, build tag teams, split tag teams up, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. That's fair enough. That's good to know. You know what works for your audience and what works for the crowd that we're used to. Um, especially, it's the fact that it's your brand. So you know more so it's, it's your name that's going against this. So if someone yeah. books something out of what you would book it's you that gets the flack for it even though someone else booked it so you you've been right so far as to not do it that way um yeah. since that happened obviously but yeah you know the audiences you know the wrestlers you know what works and what doesn't at our shows yeah i mean like, we've had we've had some um some near misses obviously i'm not going to chuck everyone under the bus we've had we've booked some people that hadn't necessarily worked for the crowd we kind of stack the chips on him a little bit and it didn't necessarily work in our favour but can't all be winners you know what I mean but yeah. as long as people come with a an attitude of wanting to have some fun because that's kind of what we go for we're not a progress wrestling strong style kind of we're not we're not, we're not that kind of city Stoke on Trent doesn't go for that sort of thing we're fun we're pantomime we're uh, shits and giggles you know so if someone asks Kate, you know, occasionally I'll have another promoter saying, do you want to book my champion on your show? Like, obviously, naming no names. And I'll say, okay, well, we'll, we'll kind of entertain it. What do you want to do? 
And they say, oh, well, we, we could put them like this. Oh, well, that doesn't work for my crowd. Oh, but they don't, you don't know if, if it's going to work yet because they've not seen him. Yeah, but I've seen him and I've got my ear for my crowd. Like, I listen to my shows. I don't watch my shows. Um, so, yeah, okay, if, if someone else came in, like, I always hear people out. Like, obviously, um, Person few fans might not know this, but obviously Chris and, Dan, and yourself, Dan, you've had you know, like my ear for the past God knows I how many years. You mm-hmm. know, it might only be a tweak on a match where, or a tweak on a swapping the entrances entrances round to send the faces out first, and the heels can cut them off mid thingy. That something like that that I haven't thought of. Um, that I'll go. You know what? That's a really good way of doing things. Um, but. I couldn't take on any, on anyone else's booking. It, it wouldn't make sense. Yeah, which is fair. And again, sort of like you, know, like you say, sort of like you, know, you, you, you know the crowd that we get at our shows, and I think it's fair to say that sort of like yes, they come to a wrestling show, but they don't come for the wrestling. You know, sort of no, like the, the, the wrestling is almost sort of a background to the character. Yeah, is, is the best way I, of sort of like describing it. I mean. It's pressing for you, Panto. I mean, it's it's almost a Panto. It's uh, yeah, it's entertainment. It's yeah, it's you know, it's you know, you look at like sort of like you know, sort of like it's sports entertainment. We we take the entertainment part very literally. Yeah, um, you know, we, sort of like the, the sport is kind of very secondary to it. I mean, like, like we we book um, like even the, our raffle mania is like such a, a part of our show now because we go out of our way to make sure that the the terrible. And we always we always try and say because it's a play on words. Obviously, Daniel Terry, terrible mm-hmm. present, whatever. It's such a terrible present, and whoever opens it, has got to open it at the front of the ring. The crowd gets behind them and does the drum noise, and the photographers are taking pictures. The camera guy is filming it. That's become a like segment of our show now. Whereas before, it should just be okay. Draw a ticket. Okay, you've won a bottle of wine, box of chocolates, whatever. Grab them, fuck off. Let's carry on with yeah. the show. Well, the mystery are great, but yeah. Yeah, and now it's people come up with 20 quid and say, I want 20 quid's worth of raffle tickets. I really want to see who wins that shit. Like, <laughs> okay, I'll but, take yeah, your money. They're buying raffle tickets. They're not buying them for the goodie bags, which has got like sort of posters, sort of like DVDs, sort of like, you know, bits, barbs, toys, chocolates. They're, they're buying it for the booby prize. They are buying it for, <laughs> for the Constellation Comedy Prize. Yeah. And if I had okay. a pound for every time someone had asked me, what the booby prize was, I could retire now. But even me <laughs> and Dan don't know what the booby prize is. We're as much in the dark as the audience is. And I purposely don't want it... to know. Yeah, yeah like, like I, I don't I, even I... know the match cards I'll turn up. That's a worry. To be fair, like, it, it changes, um, you know, like, on, on the day. Anyway, I mean, it changes as the show goes on, let's be honest. The booby prize for me is is it's one it's genuinely one of the things that I look forward to every show because I genuinely do not know what it is. I have no clue. I purposely avoid knowing. I don't want to know. And purely for the fact that the the one memory that sticks in my head is uh, a friend of ours, sort of um, Simon Barrisford, sort of like you know regular comes to the show. Uh, him and his wife Tanya, and Simon, like me, is um, fairly follically challenged on top. And the prize was a bold cap. Yep. And I no, just it, broke. It was, it, was the, it was the ducky shower cap. Yeah, ducky shower cap. That was it, yeah. And I, I yeah. just broke. I was just done. I was, I, I was just completely done. It was possibly the most perfect storm 
for the Booby Prize ever. And I just, I was, I was crying. I think it, I think it generally took me about two minutes to recover because I couldn't breathe to be able to announce the next match. I mean, the, 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 there have been some absolutes. I mean, I go out into town and I try find the most weird, inappropriate, embarrassing present possible. Like getting like um, a Christmas CD in July, getting a like a bath game where you have to pick up poo. Um, yeah, all this like really weird stuff. So, and, like I'll st- I will stash it for ages. By the way, if I see something that's like properly raffle worthy, I will stash that for for a good while. Okay, if, if it's, you know, six months down the line, I will, I will keep it for that point. <laughs> well, well, let's, well, let's get back on track. I mean, like indeed, get through. I was going to say. So the next one was another singles match. Uh, Paul Malin Malin. 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 I was right the first time. Versus Scott Skyler. Again, the yeah. alliteration. Yeah, so um, this is one that I booked. So the very first proper match that I ever did would have been two thousand and probably late two thousand and eight because I think I started managing in my first year, and it was it involved Paul Malin and Scott Skyler. They're both like stalwarts of the the British indie circuit, and uh, I was trading with Scott on on a sort of like uh, monthly basis. Paul was always coming in for BWA shows. He's he's one of those guys that's just always there. That's just uh, is a bet, brilliant yeah. guy. And that was one match that I kind of booked that I wanted to put on and uh, bring a little bit of what I'd been working with to, to Kim's card for the most part. Okay. Um, just uh, like because we have three matches in at this point, and so we knew it was going to be four intermission four. We just knew we wanted some sort of humour right before the first half main event. Yeah. Um, as the first two matches obviously open with fast pace opener, then it was a bit more of a grudge match between Bully Briggs and Johnny Starr, whatever. Bit of fun between Malin and Skyler. I think they did a bit of a, a, bit of a dance-off at one point. Nice, nice. Yep. I know, that's that's definitely my influence. If, if a dance-off ever shows up on a person for you show, you know that's definitely my influence. 100%. Um, so, yeah, so it's a ni- nice bit of fun for, for them, too. Indeed. Uh, then uh, we had uh, some names that, we, you know, probably a few fans will definitely recognise. A uh, tag team match with uh, Fight Club, Kid Fight and Lynn Thompson, uh, and the Myatt Legacy. Yeah. Keith and Ryan uh, Myatt. Now, at this point, so um, it was my show. There was no two ways that I was going to manage somebody on this show. Now, now, now obviously, I don't do that. I've, I've really yeah. made it in somewhat. Then I was like, no, no. This is what I want to do. So I decided to manage Fight Club. So the one PW tag champions, um, I got to got to manage them, which was pretty cool for me at at, uh, at that point. Uh, and obviously, one PW's back in. They promoted it for us, and it was treated as a tag team open challenge. Yeah, uh, we we already we knew Keith and Ryan Myatt were going to like go up against them anyway. Keith had worked at one PW for a bit. I think Ryan Myatt had worked at one PW a little bit. Yeah. And obviously they're, they're local lads to us, so that's kind of like perfect anyway. So we go out, I cut a promo, rip it into all the students, um, playing plenty of venom in, in the promos, which I'm quite happy with. The Mites music kicks in, they walk through the crowd. Um, really cool entrance. I think the match might be online, it might not be online, I couldn't tell you. Okay. Not many matches from this show still exist. Yeah. Um, yeah, really, really good opening tag match. Oh, sorry, main event tag match. It is on YouTube, folks. You want to go onto the PW YouTube channel? It is on there in, I think, two or three separate parts. Yeah. Nice. So, there we go. All right. So, uh, Chris, do you want the URL is for the YouTube link? Just to chuck you under the bus a bit. 
He doesn't know. It's youtube.com forward slash pro wrestling for you. Embarrassingly enough, I only subscribed to the channel today. What a mm. shit house. I, d- I just need to check that I'm actually subscribed to the channel because otherwise that could be really embarrassing. Um, but yes, indeed. So, uh, <laughs> Fight Club and the My Legacy. So you came out and managed Fight Club for that um, as their manager for that uh, for that bout. So yeah, yeah, which is really cool. And at the time, you were a heel manager, and yeah, you know, always have been a heel manager. Yes. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I think I've only done like a, a face manager once or twice, which is weird, weird anyway. You don't really need a face manager. Yeah. It's just a cheerleader. So I do have to ask, was Keith... Yeah, I mean, obviously we know Keith has been face. Was Ryan face at this point? Yeah, Ryan was face for... Wow. Uh, oh, bloody hell, no. You put me on the spot. I don't remember for the life of me how long he stayed a face for. I couldn't tell you. I don't know if it's a couple of shows, a couple of years... I really do not know. I'd have to. I would have to check that one. So Ryan, if you listen to this, I apologise. But I've slept since 2011. Not Indeed. not often, but I've slept once or twice. So. Um, and in, in other news, I am already subscribed to the person for YouTube. So embarrassment avoided. Um, <laughs> Phil will not throw something at me uh, from all the way <laughs> from all the way across across town. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so Keith and Ryan um, on the first ever Pro Wrestling For You show and still to this day, part of Pro Wrestling For You. Which yeah. is, uh, I mean, which is, I, th- I think I think a lovely little thing, sort of like to say, you know, for 10 years, they have been involved with Pro Wrestling For You. Uh, which yeah, is really I, nice, mean, but I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine Ryan as a face. I mean, if Ryan is a face is essentially... Keith Myatt Jr. or Keith Light or Diet Keith, whatever, whatever you want to. <laughs> Diet Keith. Keith, Keith Myatt Max, whatever sugary, sure, sugarless version Zero? of the. Uh... <laughs> Fuck it, that's what I'm fucking brutal. Sorry, Keith. Um, <laughs> he's, he's so good to have you for that. He is, but it's but, fine. Uh, yeah, so essentially that's it. So obviously it's only. Recently, since Ryan's really dug deep and dis- discovered who Ryan Myatt is, especially as a heel, uh, then yeah, he's pretty much he, you know, Keith Myatt Jr. I think he, even he would admit that, you know. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got to say as well, sort of like you know, on the subject of Ryan, um, it's you know, I, I'm firmly of the belief that sort of like you know, no wrestler is ever the finished product. There's always got to be sort of like you know, some form of evolution because you know, seeing the same character over and over and over again. Yeah, eventually, eventually becomes stale to the audience. Yeah, so you've, got, you've got to kind of like you've got to tweak it and twist it and mold it a little bit at a time, and sort of like you know nothing too drastic. But I've got to say, Ryan as he is now, I fully, fully love. I sort of like you know I, I think you know sort of like you know from when I first sort of like you know uh, was working with him on a post and future to where he is now, it's only a short sort of like time span, and obviously you know he's been going a lot longer than what I've seen him. But the the period that I've seen him, I give him a lot of credit for how far he's come in that time. Yeah. I yeah, think I, it's phenomenal. I literally I couldn't I couldn't disagree on that one. So Ryan, if you listen to this one, mate, we all love you. You know that. So indeed, um, please stop bullying me in the ring. Thank you. Uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so I've got I've got to give you like a little bit of uh, a little bit of info to at, at this point. So in that opening match, in that five way match, so. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a wrestling crowd. We don't draw a wrestling crowd. No. 
never have, probably never will. Small percentage, I'm sure, yeah, but for the most part, we're in, people come for the attraction. Yeah. And it's a, it's a five-way, so the, more, yeah, at least two or three are fighting on the outside, while two fight in the ring. And when this, when one sets up for a big dive on the outside, all five guys on the outside. Now, at some point, I don't remember who whipped who into the guardrail. There's a guardrail on a couple of the sides of yeah. the audience. Not on all sides. We kind of run out of guardrails, so we kind of had to make some out of gaffer tape. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, every show is held together with gaffer tape and cable ties. So whatever. So one of the guys whips one of the other ones into one of the guardrails. Now there's a girl on one of the guardrails that's got her back to the uh, back to the action. So the wrestler hits into the guardrail, knocks this girl over. Her, dr- her phone goes in her pint. She gets knocked over, and she's in shock. She doesn't know what the bloody hell's gone on. So she get yeah you know, she gets picked up. She has a bit of a cry. She goes down to the security office where the uh, pervert that runs Keel um, yeah. was okay. down in the security office. He sends one of his minions up to me. Now I'm preparing for, for like for my match. I've got two Scottish guys that I can't understand, <laughs> and and two Stokies, obviously that I love to bits anyway. And they're trying to plan a match, and I'm trying to get all the spots together. And so, no, no, Phil, we need you in the security office. No, no, I've got a match. I've got a match. We need you now. Oh fuck's sake! So, Julian, I think is the third match, the Malin and Scott Skyler one. I got dragged to the security office where the, the perv and this girl is crying her eyes out with a broken phone and a pint. And I had to, like, apologise left, right and centre. Because I didn't know the wrestlers were going to do that. Yeah. Like, I can't, you know, know everything. No. And so I had to apologise, give her my info. And we'd, I think we had to sort her out of phone, like, a week or two after the show. Which is a bit nuts. That's a bit nuts. Now, also, also during this interval, now I didn't know this until I think it was two years ago, three years ago. Now the pre-sexy Kev, sexy Kev, yeah. was in the audience. He hadn't started training yet. He was just Kevin Lloyd. I was going to say, sort of like you know, sort of like you know, Keith and Ryan are not the we're not the only kind of like you know current rosters there. There was also some people in the crowd. Yeah, yeah, indeed, um, and. He was just, yeah, Kevin Lloyd, he hadn't gone to wrestling training or anything yet. Now, he'd got, he gets chucked out of this show via the bouncers for being too drunk at a student's union. Now, I'm guessing the bouncers would have seen all sorts of people o- over the years come and go. People stripping, dancing, getting on pool tables, inserting things, whatever. What state would Sexy Kev, or pre-Sexy Kev, who's a really nice, quite shy guy anyway, what state would he have been in for the bouncers to have had to have chucked him out? I, I, I don't know. I mean, to be fair, the, the thing that th- like, I think about now is, like, you look at Sexy Kev and sort of, like, you think there's literally very little sort of, like, you know, fat on him. How little alcohol must it take nowadays to get him drunk? Because surely there, there's, nothing, there's nothing to soak that up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, he wasn't necessarily out of shape when he would have been at this before training, but he was no, probably a I bit... Can imagine he, yeah, I can imagine he's in better shape now. Yeah, he, I think he, he'd refer to himself as being a bit doughy, perhaps. Like yeah. a doughy around the middle, you know, kind of... Uh, built like Mr. Tickle, big dangly arms with a knot in the middle. Yeah. Kind of, kind of to be thing. fair though, I can imagine that's everyone who kind of like before they start wrestling training. But yeah, yeah, yourself included, because you know, it's, <laughs> I, I, have, I have I have done some wrestling training, which you know, given the state of me now, might surprise some people. Um, but I, you know, I wasn't in bad shape at the time. 
But I was not prepared for how good a shape I needed to be in just from the warm-up of that thing. So, yeah, I can imagine, you know, it's fair to say that, you know, prior to starting wrestling training, I think people, you know, who stick at it probably come out the other end in a lot better shape. Yeah, I mean, like, I have, because obviously you kept in time this till a couple of years ago, I think it's three years ago, something like this. I have combed through, because it's 300 pictures from that show, I've combed through 150 pitches because he said he got kicked out during the interval, so only the first half. I've yeah. gone through those pitches with a fine tooth comb and sending him pitches going, is this you? Is this you? Is this you? Haven't found him yet, but I... I uh, Have you I, checked I, I, the I bar? Check the, check the bar? Have you checked any pictures of the bar? Because if you know if he got chucked out, that's probably where he was. Um, no, I like, mean, literally just like pictures like from the show because most of them were like round the ring, so it's just kind of looking into the audience. Going, Could that be him? Could that be him? Did it, would he have had glasses? Would he have a haircut? It's like the know. most, it's like the most niche game of guess who ever. It's like, where's Wally, but where's Kevy? <laughs> where's <you know>? Kev? <laughs> where's yeah. Lloydy? Um, indeed, but yeah, so, um, following the tag team match with you know the still existing Maya Legacy. Uh, there was another singles match, uh, Red Lightning and Lionheart. Yeah, so this one was another Kim Rocks, Kim Ryder, Kim Brown, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Booking, I didn't really know either guy. I knew uh, Lionheart a little bit from one mm. PW. I'd seen him, didn't really know him. Obviously, now he's passed on. So passed on, yeah. bless him. Uh, RIP, yeah, Lionheart. Um, we got Vinesh involved in this one a little bit. We kind of wanted something different to open the second half. So we had Vinesh um, uh, interviewing Lionheart, I think he was. I think we sent Lionheart out first. Vinesh was interviewing him, and he was kind of getting over with the fans. Red Lightning came out, gave Vinesh a slap, and Vinesh really wanted to be on this show. He was like, oh, let me let me be on, let me be on. Let me drop kick someone. Let me, you know I mean? Very <laughs> fanboyish or whatever. Yeah. When these two... I mean, Lionheart and Red Lightning, they are two stocky bastards, you know. When they, when they went up to him and said, cool, one of us is going to slap you. Yeah, you could you could hear Vinesh's wee wee took itself back up inside of him. Yeah, uh, it He took a slap like like an absolute pro, so I can't fault him on that one. Just a yeah, good, a good rugged second half opener with a nice little bit of because Vinesh brought loads of the students in. Like he was key to bringing a lot of the two fifty, three hundred people that we had in, which we did pretty decent. Like he was key to doing that, so. If he knew he was going to take a move on a show, you knew he was going to promote it well. Yeah, so, which is fair. Which is fair. Yeah. So a good, good, solid, stocky uh, second half opener. Yeah. Uh, following that, uh, we'll briefly say this one. Uh, you had another singles match: um, El Ligero and Zach Diamond. Yeah. Now, obviously, Zach Diamond is kind of better known as Zach Gibson these days. Yep. Um, Obviously, a sweetheart of NXT UK, one of Triple H's favourites, Regal's favourites, Nigel McGuinness's favourites, so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, now, he was going against Al Laguerre. Now, what's come out about Al Laguerre, we can't change that, but nope. we're going to talk about this match. Them two were made to wrestle each other. They they just work. They just, just work. Now, yeah. Gibson was a very different guy back in 2011. He had a bit of a CM Punk and Ring of Honor vibe. He had relatively shoulder-length kind of hair. He had, like, the sort of um, basketball shorts or boxer shorts. Very, very CM Punk-esque. Yeah. Um, now, he didn't know how much Stokies hate Scousers. He had no idea. 
Um, he'd been wrestling in Stoke for, for a good while at United Wrestling, and he was always a baby face there. So we made him a heel. And I said, mate, seriously, trust me, Stokies hate Scousers because we say we sound like you're just a bit more moany. So he's like, all right, mate, cool, whatever. So he went out and came announced him as from Liverpool, and someone in the crowd starts sh- chanting, you Scouse bastard. Perf- okay. Perfect, perfect yeah. timing. There's like, like a domino effect. Lots of people start chanting it. You can see on his face, he's like, oh, okay, okay. Um, and he went with it. And like Gibson does credit pressing for you as giving him that spark to lean deep into the Scouse lifestyle. Like naming all of his moves after like Liverpool fans, uh, Liverpool fans, Liverpool players, yeah. and all that, all that sort of stuff. You lean fully into the Liverpool lifestyle. And they had a really, really good match. There is some footage of that match online, and that does show that just how shit the ring was. Just painfully, painfully. Um, but whatever's come out about Laguerre at this point in time, we can't change that. But in terms yeah. of just being a match between them two, they, they were made to wrestle each other. It's just really solid, really great. Yeah. Uh, following that, uh, you had another singles match. Um I want to say Carmel. Yep. I need my glasses cleaning. And Kaylee Ray. Yeah, now the NXT UK women's champion, Kaylee Ray. Indeed. Just just chuck that one out there. Now, I, I hate to say this, but we did need a women's match on the show, and I hate saying them words. Because oh, it sounds, we need to get one. I don't care which one it is, we need to get one. That wasn't the case, but we we didn't know that many female performers at that point. No. Um, Carmel and Kelly Ray wrestled each other millions of times. It was it was just going to be an, an easy fix to just put in place. Kelly Ray, luminous red hair, um, really good match. I think I'm pretty certain Kelly Ray hit her head on one of the ring posts at one point, and she threw up under the ring during that match. So if there is footage of it online, you'd have to kind of look out for the bit where she goes under the ring skirts. And froze up under the ring, but I don't think there is footage of that match, unfortunately. But that sounds both very ladies, familiar. Ladies, yeah, both ladies, absolutely just absolute pros, just brilliant, both of them. Indeed. Oh, uh, but yeah, there we are. Uh, and then the main event, a last man standing match. So, what made you go for last man standing? What was the thought process behind that as a main event? Well, again, this was kind of. What Jack Jester does for a living, he's happy to bleed and to do it plentifully. Uh, BT Gun, same same kind of vibe. Um, doesn't mind bleeding for for whatever. So we had we had a couple of tables. Yeah, he, he brought some drawing pins with him. We had the Cactus Jack wooden two by four wrapped in barbed, barbed wire. wire. Yeah, we had a, we had a couple of them, which I think Vinesh actually stole one from the show, which is quite cool. And we wanted to finish strong. Yeah, we wanted a main event that people would go, that is fucking nuts. Especially no one in, in Stoke had seen anything like that. So they were fighting into the crowd. They were jumping off the bar. It, it, it was nuts. I mean, there's drawing pins all over the uh, all over the ring. It was nuts. There we go. So, yeah. Um, so, your first show, eight, eight matches on the card. If you could go back in time, and give Young Filthy and Young Mama Rocks three sentences, three separate sentences of advice 
for running a show, for knowing what you know now, if you could go back in time and give them three sentences of advice, what advice would you give them? Uh, trim it down. I think there's no, there's no toys about it. We didn't need an eight-match card. We could have done a five-match card and it would have drew the same amount of people but paid less wages. Yep. Um, didn't need that many Scottish people. Like, it was nice to have... <laughs> No, no, it sounds bad, but yeah, you're, you're paying, like you're paying like a lot of in petrol to bring two cars down from Scotland. Yeah, and you've got to house them. I think they all slept at Kim's house as well. She had like a big living room. They all crashed in. Yeah. Um, three senses. Yeah. So trim, trim the card down. You don't don't need eight matches. Five or six would have been perfectly fine. Um. Don't think you're going to draw a thousand people. You really aren't. We, we drew helpfully. It was a good 250, 300 people. Yeah. So I think seven quid a tick, if I remember correctly. Um, so whatever 250, 300 times by seven is, go nuts. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So trim, trim the card down. Get a better ring. Because there's a story at the end of this bit of the podcast. I'm going to tell you about the ring. And you won't believe me, but yeah, it's nuts. Um, better ring, trim the card down. Uh, don't trust big, rapey, perverted runners <laughs> of Keel's student union. Fair. That's fair. So, go ahead. you say you've got a little story about the ring? Right. Now, both, both of you two have put a ring up, you've taken a ring down, yeah? Many times. <clears throat> and so... It's uh, Bully Boy Briggs, and he's the guy that's bringing the ring. So there's me, there's Scorpion, Dave Darvecchio, um, and Squirt, who's a guy called James. Yeah. Um, and we're the first three in the venue. We're, we're there early. We're talking 10 in the morning, something like that, for, for like a 9, 10 p.m. start show. Dave there early? I know, I know. First and only, first and only. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we're, us three are there we're waiting on the ring so we're setting chairs up we're just doing bits and pieces all the usual stuff and so the ring gets there now the ring comes on a it's like a Ford Transit van but it's like a people carrier version so like a minibus okay. now things like the ropes the aprons the soft stuff you know that sort of thing that's all in the van with Bully Boy Briggs I think Johnny Star might have been there he brought like a, you know, a good few people with him and all the, you know, his wife and whatever else. Uh, so all the soft stuff and a couple of like the ring posts and whatever um, are inside the van. Now on top of the van, on top of the, the roof, is all the, the, the middle irons. Yeah, you've taken a ring down. You know all the middle irons, the ones that support yeah. all the boards. They look and, like kind of like ladders, like big metal ladders with ends on is the best way to describe them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the ones that go down the middle of the ring, yeah, the long with just a tiny notch on that kind of set yeah, yeah. in the all the middle lines. So they're all on top of this transit van, people carry or whatever you want to call it. And so he pulls up outside. Uh, he's got my number. I give him directions to which door we're at because it's just easier to get it in there rather than carrying up some stairs, blah, 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 and all this sort of stuff. So we, we get there. do the restless handshake of everyone that's in the car. Right, cool. Let's get the ring in. And he starts taking the irons off the top of the van first. So we're like, all right, cool. Start at the top, work your way down. So he starts sliding these bars off quickly. And I mean, didn't uh, we're, we're standing at the very end. We've got me, 
Dave and James Squirt, you know, all stood there while waiting for these bars to come off. And he starts sliding them off like there's no business. We're like, oh, 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 trying to like catch all these bars. Now, we catch the first couple, taking them in. Now, we're in a couple, five minutes, got you know, two, three, four bars, whatever, in. And he starts getting a bit impatient waiting for us. The fat bastard that stood on top of the van just sliding them off. Yep. So he slides one off, but rather than it coming off the back of the, the van, it goes off the side of the van that none of the three of us have stood there. So it comes off completely the side. Well, like, didn't even come anywhere near us. Now, someone has parked their car to the, le- to the left of this van. Now, if you've seen uh, Terminator 3, where he starts smashing on the car bonnet before he powers down, or even I think even the Hulk does it in the first Avengers film, starts smashing the bonnet, the bonnet caves in. I don't know how the window didn't shatter. Like, it must be the, the, the luck of fools that the window didn't shatter. It hit the bonnet and literally just bottomed out. So like, oh! We're stood there. Nothing but the, the sound of the wind going past us. Like, what the fuck do we do? We've not even done a show yet. What the bloody hell do we do? We're like, um, we, like, it's happened. We can't do nothing about it. We'll come back to it later. So, oh, my days. Yeah, so I mean, the first Paris and Fuse show killed a phone and a car bonnet. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, I killed our deal with Keel Students Union as well. Indeed. <laughs> uh, so, like, so, so we kind of had to forget about that because, so you know what the show day is like? It's crazy. So we yes. get, the rest, get the rest of the ring in where the Scottish cars are turning up and we've got cars from... Liverpool, Nottingham, Manchester, Edinburgh, Glasgow. It's 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 a bit nuts, you know. So we've got people coming yeah. left, right, and centre. We kind of forget about the car because we go do other stuff. We do the show. We get a call. I think it was like the next day or something in the big perf that's running the show. Uh, not Kim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gives me a call, says, Phil, I need to speak to you. And I'm thinking, oh, he's going to want to book us for like another show. So I go in. He reads me the riot act and needs the the details of the guy that brought the ring. Now, I didn't know the guy, so I had to ring him, and yeah. Kim got the the, the guy all, all the details. And then I think they, they did sort it out. I think it was on CCTV, so there was no two ways about it. Yeah, and it did get sorted, and I think we did sort this girl out with with another phone. But yeah, we destroyed. Literally, the bonnet just. Can you, you know how heavy those bars are, and it's, it's an old yeah, ring. They're, as well, they're so. not light. So, yeah, especially dropping off the like, six, seven, eight foot van, it was like one of those high transits. We couldn't even get the bar, it literally just went off, destroyed the car's bonnet. Yeah. So, after that day, after destroying, you know, sort of like you know, your hopes and dreams of pulling. 1,000 people into a venue of destroying your budget slightly, of destroying phones and cars. 251 days later, you decided to do it again. <laughs> you mad bastard. Well, so we, we, we had um, extreme mashup under our belts. And we, we kind of, again, we we're probably sat in Weatherspoons drinking every, every, we used to order every cider that they'd have. So yeah. we'd, we'd sat down on the table and spoons with, 28 ciders and me and Kim would go through them, you know, quite quite happily. Um, and we said, well, okay, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? So we kind of like writing a big list. 
said, well, we should have advertised it as a wrestling show because the fans really enjoyed it. Um, so we need to make the next show uh, wrestling-based, not a party, wrestling-based. Hence okay. why the show was Fight Night. We didn't yep. want any, any kind of Omen and Arian. That, that's a show name, if ever there was one. Um, we weren't going to go back to Keel Union. There's no two ways about it. <laughs> I think we'd burn that bridge, pissed on the ashes, um, and then pissed on them ashes, and then pissed on our own trousers. So, and to be fair, for that kind of price, would you want to? No, I mean, yeah, not a chance. I mean, uh, so we were kind of looking around, thinking, what, what do we want to do? Where can we take it? I mean, we kind of thought, well, Kim's charity show two years prior it did okay and with the backing we've got now if we could get the crowd we got in keel into jumpy jacks we're golden because it'll be yeah. a great great atmosphere um that's all we wanted to do just port keel over to jumping jacks that's all we, all we wanted to do so we met with a guy that runs jumpy jacks very nice guy just said come in do whatever you want to do um, I think the the money to rent it was about two three hundred quid, which is nothing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so we, you know, X amount of months later, uh, the eleventh of November, the eleven, 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 decided to run Press and Views second ever show. I was going to ask about the date because it is you know the eleventh of the eleventh of the eleventh. Was that intentional, or was that just? fortuitous that it just happened to be kind of like you know one of the dates available and you went yeah that one or did you set yeah. out wanting for wanting to go on the 11th of 11th of 11th and have the most binary date possible <laughs> um I th- there was definitely a, a couple reasons in there now um jumpy jacks is kind of like booked up quite far in advance um so we kind of had to book x amount of months in advance um we didn't want the first because this was now a friday whereas extreme mashup was a saturday this is now a Friday night because they wouldn't do a Saturday for some reason. Um, and so we kind of had to take whatever dates was available. We didn't want the Friday before because that would have been bonfire night. Yeah. Or bonfire night weekend. So we didn't want to compete with that because we still wanted people. Okay. And, yeah, exactly. So we just thought, okay, what's the one after? Okay, 11th through 11th is 11th. You know what? That sounds good. Sticks in people's heads. We'll go with that. Fair enough, fair enough. And you opened this show uh, with, if I'm not wrong, again, correct me if I'm wrong, the first Pro Wrestling For You title. Yeah, and it was, it was another five-way. Yeah, it was another five-way. Uh, but it's a title that still exists today. Yep, yeah, so that, that was the first, uh, I don't want to call it a belt, because it was, it was a trophy at that point. We didn't have the belt made up. Oh, okay. That was the first championship that we had, we had up for grabs. Yeah. And the five-way, apart from almost killing a girl and making us pay for a brand-new phone, the five-way at the other show did pretty well. So we thought, you know what, it's different. So let's, let's do that again. So, we, again, so Extreme Mashup was 90% Kim. So we call that Kim's show. Yeah. This, I'm going to say this is 90% me. Okay. And then obviously shows after this was 100% me, but this was Kim um, wanting to get out of the wrestling business. Um, she had some personal issues and yeah. all this sort of thing. Now, I wasn't a, you know, a, real, a good promoter back then. Some could argue I'm not a good promoter now. Ha, huh, but I, I, I didn't have 
the network, I didn't have the connections, I didn't have the foresight, the ideas, the creativity. You know, back in 2011 that I've got now, like if something yeah. went wrong, I wouldn't have the wisdom. Had... You didn't have the experience. Yeah. Exactly. So we were booking this show, and I think it was a week and a half before this one, Kim wanted out. Now, I didn't have another announcer. Obviously, you were nowhere to be seen. I hadn't met Chris yet, and I wasn't going to do it. So, like, she wanted out. I had to really talk her into it. Um, yeah, it was, it was a bit nuts. You've heard me talk, right? You wouldn't trust me with a fucking mic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm amazed he trusts me with a mic. I mean, what is he doing? He's, I'm, he's I'm, clearly I'm, having some senile moments in his old age. That's all we can put I, I'm in. amazed anybody trusts me with, with a microphone, a megaphone, uh, a, remote, a remote control, a phone in, in itself, you know. Uh, I, I am... To be fair, mate, after, after hearing you on that first show, your mic technique was goddamn awful. Gotten slightly yeah. better now, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, it's... Like the microphones are crap anyway. I've got such a deep monotonal, moany voice that my yeah microphones just don't sound good to me. I've I've learned how to get it better. It's fine. It's it's one of them things. But yeah, so Kim wanted out of uh, out of wrestling, not just out of person. She wanted out of wrestling, you know. Yeah. Um, because we'd lost quite a bit of money, and I say we, I mean me. I lost quite a bit of money on Extreme Mashup. It was probably all in all. So. Ring rental, wrestlers' wages, room rental, um, everything, everything. The show probably costs three, three and a half grand. And if if we'd have drew three hundred people, it's seven quid a ticket. It's that's what twenty one hundred quid. Twenty one hundred, yeah. Didn't have any merch, so we so really had you know, the yeah. And you know, that's three hundred on a good day. It's probably more near two fifty, but I'm not good at maths, so I'm not I'm not doing two fifty times by seven pound. So whatever. So we probably lost maybe a grand, grand and a half, give or take. And again, that was all me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and Kim wanted Kim wanted to leave wrestling altogether. I really had to talk her into it. I mean, it, it took a lot to talk her into it, and we kind of like lost track of each other for a little bit because I I was stuck with. You know, 10 days till show day I had no one there holding my hand yeah. uh, but this show had to go ahead you know it is what it is so yeah but nuts so we decided to trim the card down to hence why it's a five match card now okay that's fair and uh, yeah it's a five five way to start the five match card you had um, if if my information here is to be believed um, squirt defeating uh Danny Steele, Dean McManus, Dylan Roberts, and Scorpion. Yep. Um, now, like, like, some people ask, what is, what is G6? Why, why did we come up with G6 as our thing? Um, now, this was like a way to name a part of the company after Kim. Because some people do think PW4U, my name's Phil Woodvine. They think, is it named after me? Nothing could be further from the truth. I didn't want it named after me, but we went from extreme wrestling for you to pro wrestling for you that's kind of what we wanted you know we wanted pro wrestling for you to be the over 18 part of the company and we wanted to start running family shows under limited edition pro wrestling so okay. we're going to have run two companies yeah um, but obviously after seeing how both over 18 shows bombed for the most point um 
we just sacked it off and then whatever. Which obviously we'll get into that next time because we're not touching Devil yeah, yeah. Showdown one and two in this episode. We're not going to do that no. yet. So five way, um, and we wanted G six. So we sat around probably again in spoons, and there was a song out at the time called Fly, Fly like, like a G six. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, by a group called the Cataracts and a lady named Dev, D-E-V. Now, in this video, Dev wears sunglasses and she's the spitting image of Kim Rocks. Spitting <laughs> image. We've shared pictures of it before. She's the spitting image, which, Chris, if you Google Dev, you'll see a picture of her in sunglasses. I'm pretty certain you can confirm that Kim is the spitting image of it. I'll give you, I'll give you a minute to do that. So, we thought G6. We know that's a, a very fast plane. So, planes, high-flying quick quite cool g6 division yeah cool we'll go with it we just we just went with it you know so that's uh, kind of kind of where we got it from yeah i mean you're not wrong actually to be fair it does i, I can see the resemblance has anyone that's, seen kim and dev in the same place at the same time see what see what i mean spitting image spitting mm. image um, the and, same person Maybe I've not heard. I've heard Kim sing once or twice, and the least said about that, that the better. Kim, I love you, but please don't ever sing in my presence ever again. <laughs> I won't if she Auto- won't. Auto tunes a wonderful thing, mate. <laughs> Can you imagine me, Kim, you, and Dan all singing? I, I can't think of anything worse. I've got a good voice. What are you talking about? I've done amateur theatre. You've got the best voice out of all five of us. I'll give you, I'll give you that one. <laughs> I've heard you singing, what was it, Avenue, Avenue Q's, uh, everyone's a little bit racist. So, whatever, whatever that song was. Indeed, yeah. Um, and if I, start, if I start singing, it's going to call Justin Hawkins all over again, so let's not just start that. Let's just keep it buried. Yeah, I wasn't going to mention that, but, but thank you for bringing that up, uh, Justin. I appreciate that. I mean, Chris. Um <laughs> Hey, it's almost Christmas. It's almost time for Chris to don't let the pals end. So indeed, or don't be a bell end. You know, one or the other. <laughs> oh my god! Right, I, I, I should be nice I, because the, he is editing this. You know, sort of like how I come out of this is in his hands, and that is quite scary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> very much so. Very much so. So we'll, we'll get back on. So it was, it was a five indeed. way to open the show. So we crowned our G six champion in Squirt again. That was. Uh, making up for him not winning the previous show because there's no two ways about it. Squirt was over. I mean, yeah. during that show, people in the crowd were chanting "pump pump squirt," which is amazing. Wow. Oh yes, and fair. Then there fair was play. A, I have to admit something at this point. I was stood at the back of the crowd at this point during that opening match, and I kind of got that chant going, and it just. <laughs> I mean, you've definitely never done that before, ever, at any of your shows, whatsoever. (laughs) Definitely not planted a a little chant in the crowd's head and watched it take off, ever. Definitely not. Sometimes you just got to plant a little seed and then just enjoy it when it grows. So whatever. Uh, Speaking of, uh, of, you know, sort of like, you know, um, things things growing, um, you, uh, again, sort of like on your own show, uh, I believe we're involved in this next match. Yeah, so with doing like a five-match card rather than an eight-match card, you kind of want to bring the opener fast-paced, the second, if you're doing three intermission two, so the opener nice and fast to get people up and excited. The second one is a good place to do comedy 
or a little bit of fun, a little bit of shenanigans. And then the yeah. third is your sort of first half main event. So you won a solid match. So I was managing a guy named uh, Prince Mohammed Amin, who does like a sort of very rich Asian guy kind of deal. He's one of the nicest guys in the world. Mo, absolute gentleman of a man. Honestly, brilliant, brilliant guy. Um, so I, and it was, I, it says online that it was a two-on-one. It wasn't I was managing, but I was a very physical manager. I was there to take yeah. a few points. So it's him versus Scott Skyler. Now, Scott's a guy I worked with at United Wrestling. I called him the quintessential Stokey because he's very quintessential Stokey. And that kind of stuck. So it was a good juxtaposition match. So uh, yeah. Rick, Rude, Arrogant, Balenz versus their guy. Now, funny little side note at this point. So Scott came out and he had a package of oatcakes lodged in his, I think it was, in, it was even in the front of his gear or the front of his singlet. Now, to get the Stokey people on side, he was chucking out oatcakes at people. We'd already given out shots before the show had started to get kind of get yeah. them drunk or whatever. And Scott was chucking out oatcakes. Now, at this point, what would, what would like a year, year and a half later, be my then girlfriend, uh, a girl named Shannon, walked into the venue because she took a chance on her weird wrestling co-workers wrestling show. She walked in with her mate and got smashed in the face with an oatcake. <laughs> Like she had no idea. She just walked in the venue and thought, "All right, Phil, and shut up about this. I suppose he's okay. Let's go watch his show. He hasn't shut up. Smash straight in the face with a flying okay. Brilliant. <laughs> and never have we ever wanted. I mean, you know, food seems to play a bit of a part in pro wrestling for you. I'm not going to lie. You know, oat cakes, oranges, carrots. It's bananas. There's, there's de- bananas. There's definitely a theme along here. Hundred percent. Um. Of course, then, sort of like you did have your sort of like first half main event with the Myatt Legacy, uh, defeating uh, Project Ego. I, I, I've got to just take you back one step. I've, got, I've just noticed a little a little note. So okay. it's in that match. So it's second on the card. It's the first half is three matches. So say second is always good for comedy, for shenanigans, for, for typical managerial kind of stuff. Yeah. So I had I had my brass knocks. I've got some genuine brass knuckles that I used to use on, on shows. They were tucked in my suit pocket. So I'm doing the managerial thing of I'm up on the ring apron giving the referees some abuse, blah, 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 all the usual shit. Now Scott grabs the rope, pulls me in the hard way to you take a flip over the rope. Yeah. Now as I've gone over the rope, I've then taken my bump and I've fed into the corner nearest the crowd doing the chicken shit heel thing. And Scott's meant to be kind of like frottling me because um, I, think, I think the ref might have taken a bump at this point. I think he was definitely, definitely out of the way. Yeah. So he's throttling me in the corner. I meant to take my knocks out of my pocket, chuck them to Mo behind him. Scott chucks me over the top rope. Mo lands him with a punch, covers yeah. him for the pin when I chuck the ref in. Now, I've gone over into the ring. The knocks have come out of my pocket. I don't know they've come out of my pocket. I, I didn't feel them, I didn't see them land or anything. So I'm, I'm up in the corner trying to find these knocks in my pocket. That are no longer there. Uh, like, um, I'm obviously doing the chicken chicken shit thing in the corner. No, no, don't hit me, don't hit me. Scott, where are they? Don't hit me, don't hit me. Scott, seriously, where the fuck are they? Where the fuck are they? I'm checking all my pockets. I can see Mo behind Scott going, chuck them, chuck them, you dickheads. I'm like, I've got, I've got them, mate. I've not got them. I don't know where they are. He Luckily, they've not gone out the ring. He sees them to one side, grabs them 
I'll start going to say, Scott, just bail me. Scott chucks me over the top rope, but he chucks me crotch first at the top <laughs> rope. So I don't go over. I just hit the top rope with my twig and berries. I begrudgingly slouch over the top rope as I'm on the floor holding my bits. Um, Mo smashes uh, Scott with the knocks, covers him, but the ref's down and I've got to chuck him in. But I'm on the outside holding my bits, like, oh my God, this hurts so much. So Mo has to shout to the referee, ref, get in, you're ruining the fucking match. So the ref that's been knocked out does a Superman-like comeback. Jumps in the- <laughs> just just to cover the pinfall and then has to do another match. So, yeah. Oh, my day is brilliant. Fuck up, Scalor. Yeah. And, you always get them on every single show. Um, speaking uh, speaking of fuck ups, uh, so the Might Legacy. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> they won't thank you for that. I'm joking. Right. Keith and Ryan, love you to bits. Um, but, you know, I just couldn't resist the cheeky segue. Um, so, yeah, the Might Legacy. <laughs> Uh, defeating Project Ego, uh, which is uh, Chris Travis and Martin Kirby. Yeah, again, this is like one of those uh, unfortunate things when you, when you go back and re- review a, sh- a show from 10 years ago. Um, Martin Kirby is now retired. Lovely guy, just really genuinely lovely guy. And Chris Travis no longer with us. You know, he had um, a lot a lot of issues. Obviously, I won't you know, talk through him. He had like a lot, a lot of medical issues. And he unfortunately succumbed to it a couple of years back. So yeah, Chris Travis no longer with us. Indeed. And um, please guys, you know, if, if you do you know, if you do feel down, talk to someone, please. It's you know it's I'm, I'm sorry to hijack this, but it is, you know, it's sometimes it's okay not to be okay. And it's yeah. it's okay to kind of talk to your friends and check in on your friends and just check they're doing okay because sometimes you you just don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean um, like, I don't because I know we had um uh, it was like some like uh, stomach and in- intestinal kind of issues. Um, mm. So Chris was a fan of the, um, the, the what they called the malonin injections that make you. I mean, anyone that saw Chris, he had the most phenomenal tan, and yeah. that probably that probably didn't help him getting malonin injections. No. Uh, I know I know that messed with a lot of his sort of internals, like your your kidneys and your liver takes a big hit when you inject malonin. So. But obviously, whatever had gone on at that point, I know we had uh, a, a couple of diseases that unfortunately took him down. But yeah, Chris, lovely guy, very cheeky, very mischievous. Um, yeah, lo- lovely guy. Now, yeah. one, one thing we didn't mention from the very first show, Extreme Mashup, was Ryan Myatt broke his nose on that show. <laughs> uh, he took uh, like a kick to the forehead and just a bit of the toe hit Ryan in the nose. He's got a loose nose anyway. And he broke his nose. Um, so Ryan came to me before this show and said, can you get me a razor blade? I want, I want, a, I want, a, I want a juice. So I went Poundland, got him some razor blades. He caught him up, put them in, he put, you know, taped them to his wrist, and he was going to like blade his forehead because at that point he had some hair. It was hanging on by a thread, but he had some hair. Like it, it was escape. It was taking him longer and longer to wash his forehead. We'll say that. I know the feeling. So, <laughs> it must take you forever, sir. No. So I got him a blade because he wanted to. He wanted to bleed. Yeah, some people in the crowd. He wanted to ble- uh, to bleed for them. I was like, all right, cool. Now he ended up breaking his nose on a table, like a, a do you know those really tall tables that you yeah. stand at in the jumping jacks. Like he, when you turn your face, when you're taking a face bump, he wanted to turn it one way, 
but I think he changed his mind at the last minute and, t- and turned his face and ended up really breaking his nose. So he didn't even get a chance to, to, to gig on purpose because he'd, he'd popped his nose face down and it looks like his nose had been shot. <laughs> it went, if you see the pictures from that show, which they're all up on our, on our Facebook at facebook.com forward slash person view, it looks like his face exploded. It's, it's pretty gruesome. Uh, indeed. So, yeah, I mean, right, he's, he's, bless him. Uh, he's, he's definitely got a, a habit. <laughs> of, uh, his yes. nose has taken a few bumps. Um, but, yeah, of course, then, uh, you know, you had your sort of like you know, your interval. So, I mean, this is kind of like probably more the more the format as well that like current pros and a few fans would recognise. Sort of like having three in the first half, then an interval, then two. Sort of like it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's you know, obviously with Rafflemania sort of like... Definitely taking shape. The one thing yeah. about this show is it's kind of how we planned it. We were going to do free intermission too. Because we had quite a low turnout and we were really pushed for time because we kept waiting, hoping more people were going to show up. And it didn't. So we were kind of, they had to open the club, I think, is at 11. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously it's part of Liquid or whatever the club's called. Uh, yeah. Fusion or something, I don't know. So we kind of just skipped the interval and just went straight into the second half. So it was just five matches straight through. We were meant to have Zach Gibson and Al Laguerre again for this show. Laguerre was wrestling elsewhere. He was going to try and get to us to try and do a bit at, at the end of this match, but it wasn't possible. So ended up being Al Laguerre's tag team partner at that time because he was tagging with him in 1PW. Uh, Hubba Bubba Lucha was the tag team name. It was Bubblegum. And again... We've got to talk about this match. It's part of our history. Some stuff has come out about Bubblegum, but we've got to talk about this match because, again, yeah. we can't change history. So, yeah, it made sense for Zach Gibson to, if he couldn't get his hands on Laguero again, he wanted to get his hands on his tag team partner. So, so yeah, and then the finale. Uh, I, was, I was going to ask, if you were to announce Babyface Pitbull now, would you announce him as your favourite wrestler in professional wrestling ever, 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 ever? Because... You never stop talking about him, Dan. I mean, you always speak so highly and favourably. I, I feel I'm being thrown under the bus here. Um, so, yeah, he was uh, against uh, Alex Cyanide. <laughs> Moving swiftly on, you swine. I have my... <laughs> Watch him sweat, boys and girls. Opinions him of him. Um, I, you know, sort of, I've seen the damage he can do to a venue uh, and had to help uh, <laughs> help deal with that. Uh, afterwards, <laughs> I've got one story to tell about Pitbull, and it's from when I used to do the lights up for you. Um, yeah. I used to be behind the curtain, as Phil will contest this, because I used to like because I couldn't see what was going on in the ring. I used to poke my phone out of the curtain and watch it through the camera. Yeah, um, Pitbull one day before he goes out to the ring he goes like keep the music going until I've done a certain move I'm like I don't do the music I do the lights and he couldn't hear me over the music <laughs> so he's like just no just keep the music I'm like no I just do the lights like I'm showing him like in sign language the flashing sort of like hand gesture and he's like yeah sound like putting his thumbs up I'm like you're not getting the point here dude like I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't do the sound. I know it looks like a mixing desk, but this is all flashing lights. This is not what you think I'm doing. And he walks out the ring and like he finishes his match and whatever. He comes back, he goes, oh, now something's music, mate. I was like, no, no, I was telling you, I do the lights. He goes, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, 
Oh my Jesus days. Christ! And he and he did it three shows in a row. I've I've no words. I've let you know. I mean, no. like, I mean, he was our first ever champion, two times pro SMP champion. He's 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 one of those guys that for me, like, he's always fine with me. I've I've not got any issues. You just gotta. It takes a while to get to know how to speak to him because he's a very serious guy and he, he does probably take himself a bit seriously. Mm-hmm. Quite rightly so. I mean, he's trained at the you know, Team Taz Dojo in New York. I mean, he is... Uh, like, I, like, I've been in the, in the ring with him at a, it was a, a BWP Summer Rumble 2016. I went out at number one. He went out at number two. And for, like, two, the longest two minutes of my life, he sat on my head. He smashed my sunburn with his, with his fists. He's a very he's a very serious guy, but I I get it. I get it. You know, it's, yeah. it's one of them things. It's one of them things. Like him he's, and Simon. I think it's fair to say he's Marmite. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll go we'll go with that one. We'll yeah. go with that one. Exactly. But yeah, um him against Alex Cyanide. Yes, I mean they were they were always like a, a really good um like pairing because the obviously Cyanide's a big, big guy and Sam's he kind of makes up for what he hasn't got in height with his attitude and Whatever. So it's just a good two big blokes knocking crap out of each other, essentially. Are you saying he has small man syndrome? I couldn't possibly say that. <laughs> I, I, like just, I just want to point out that, that Chris is muted right now, and I can see the back of his throat. He's laughing that hard. <laughs> many, many men have seen the back of Chris's... No, we're not, we're not doing that joke. <laughs> Um, but it, like it's 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 one of the things. It's just like two big guys smacking hell out of each other. And they had a decent enough match. I don't remember where I would have saw like these guys to kind of pick them up for my show. I imagine I went and went along to some RWA shows. Mm-hmm. I, I just saw them, got talking to them. And again, the least said about RWA at the minute, it's bloody hell. Yeah, uh, digging myself a bit of an hole. Um, I think I would have just saw them, got speaking to them, and said, you know what. It's kind of like main event we want, and yeah, it's one of them things. Now, once once that had finished, um, it was just a very quick uh, tear the ring down, tear everything down. I think a couple of us had a drink upstairs in the attached liquid slash fusion nightclub, and then we just did one. Like I was not in the mood. Um, like I was worried about Kim because I, I knew she was kind of like suffering and she didn't know how to kind of like talk me through it. I was just nervous because obviously running a show is, is nerve wracking at the best of times. Um, we didn't draw, so we probably had to ask a few people for some favors, and I had to pay some people a week later when I saw them at the other shows and whatever. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a difficult show. We probably. I was going to say we probably lost more on that show than we did on the Keel show, which isn't probably right, but it felt like more because we had a lot less people, but we yeah. spent a lot less. So I don't know. It's, just, it, it's weird how it all works out. Now, yeah. you, you two both been in Jumping Jacks before, I'd imagine? I think once. Ashamedly so, yes. Yeah. Now... And we've got like a nice little DJ booth to one side, and we're meant to have. So when we're dealing with the owner, we're meant to have the whole stage curtained off because you've got like curtain rails built into the ceiling. You can move the curtains where you want them. Now, when we when we got there on the day, bear in mind there was 15 people, so wrestlers and announcers and referees that all need to get changed, and the managers and whatever. 15 people, give or take. There's a tiny, and I mean tiny, changing room. To, 
to the side of the stage of jumping jacks, you know. It would probably be the size of maybe the back of a transit van. Okay. And getting 15 people into that room to get changed, to stretch out, to warm up and all that sort of stuff was difficult. So he said, oh, we'll cordon off the stage, we'll curtain it off. And you've got the entirety of the stage plus that little room with the toilet in and whatever. And that didn't happen on the day. We showed up. And there was a tiny, tiny curtain that dropped down just in front of this tiny room door. Um, so all 15 of us had to get changed in this the, the cramptest space in the world, like trying to stretch out and we're punching each other in the face because we've got resistance bands and all that sort of stuff. I don't know if it's changed since, like, you were there, Phil, but it's now called uh, the Royal Music Hall. For anyone who knows the local area, it's, it's now changed the name to that. And they do film some wrestling shows there for Sky TV, but I don't know what the promotion is. So we don't really have the same issues. Yeah, it was at PCW, Preston City Wrestling. They, they, they came and did two shows, drew 30 people. So they drew even less than us. And they did one show in Fusion upstairs. Um, I think they came back to do a second one and it drew about 20 people um, they came back and did Jumping Jacks instead and drew I think it's 20, 30 people because keep in mind we're on that show that they came back and did it was only a couple of years ago and yeah it's about 20, 30 people tops so yeah probably, probably the same kind of deal I think they used the um, the stairs that come down into Jumping Jacks or Royal Musical they used that as the changing room and entrance Whereas we didn't have that luxury because they kind of had, people had to go up there to go into liquid slash fusion. Uh, but yeah, fifteen people in a in a room no bigger than the size of a cubby hole was just terrible, really terrible. So we knew the first show was okay, but mon- uh, monetary wise bombed. But people didn't see that. Um, second show, you could tell forty, fifty people in there bombed. Indeed, but you know, sort of like from from where you have come at this at this like beginning point of pro wrestling for you, sort of like you know coming up to now ten years ago, uh, to sort of like you know to now sort of you can tell sort of like you know the lessons you've learned and sort of like you know the things you've put in place and and the fact that you know you do have a loyal fan base. So, you know, it's fair to say the home of pro wrestling for you, sort of like you know, is is Silverdale. Sort of like you know that that for me has always been kind of like you know sort of like a a steadfast kind of part of pro wrestling for you and you know as you know from one Myatt legacy to pro wrestling fuse legacy we will we will next time be looking at uh you know 2012 which was the start of the silverdale showdowns yeah um, uh, num- num- i think we did was it just two shows that year just one and two it was yeah yeah that's cool i mean because obviously we've got lots and lots of good stuff we can talk about because to go from doing over 18 shows to doing uh you know, what's it called like working men's club shows is very mm-hmm. very different you gotta you gotta book them different you gotta treat them different you've gotta fly it different everything everything changed and like the, the, yeah, there was a very good reason why we picked silverdale of all places we could have gone to we could have gone to Nutton, newcastle mainly wherever um we picked silverdale specifically but we're going to save that for next time indeed we are uh but yes yeah, so thank you very much uh this has been Snap, Crackle and Cheat Pops. I've been Daniel Terry, joined by Christopher Justin Hawkins, Money Penny Strawn, and Phil <laughs> 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 Phil <Philthy> for start. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Prick.
don't forget, sort of like you know, sort of like wherever you're listening to this, uh, you know, follow Progress Review podcast, follow Snap, uh, Snap Crackling Cheap Pops. Uh, we will be back for the next episode. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Check out Pro Wrestling For You on all social media platforms and stream our back catalogue of shows over at pw4uondemand.co.uk.